introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it. This. To oh, Mo Williams. Touchdown. You got it, big And welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're running light today. We we have a skeleton crew, but that's all good. We're going to do our thing. And it's a, it's, you know, it's a skeleton crew, but happy days are here. We got the Saxy Prince, and we have him live in stereo with proper mics and headphones and all that stuff, so everyone should be able to hear everything he has to say. Maybe even surround sound Yinka. soon, man. I'm saying, Yanka, my man, how you doing? How you been? I'm good. We got to get me a surround sound. That's what the folks really need at home. They need their room to be filled with the sultry sounds of Saxy Prince. I mean, and right now they are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time in Lord knows how long, we can hear everything going on with you here. And I'm going to take advantage of this before something goes wrong or internet goes out or whatever might happen. So I'm just going to jump in, man. Vikings played a pretty exciting game this past weekend. And uh, I need your thoughts because this is one of those interesting games where Vikings played well. Dalvin Cook was on another level, as many predicted going into the game. The Dallas uh, linebackers were, in fact, food for the tight ends and running backs of our Vikings. And uh, Dalvin Cook really did his thing, uh, really carried the offense. He was the engine that really had things going. Kyle Rudolph, a couple short touchdowns. Irv Smith got involved. Um, And so the passing game wasn't as explosive as it has been. So it was one of those games where, like, if you are a Kirk Cousins fan, you probably could find some good things in there. If you're a Kirk Cousins detractor, you probably found some things because it was not his best game. It wasn't as impressive as some of the games we had earlier. What were your thoughts? How do you feel? What are your thoughts first on the team, next on the offense, and then you know anything else you want to talk about about the performance from uh, from the Dallas game? You know, it, I, I think at the end of the day, the Vikings over those last couple of games, this run that they've gone on, they've put together some com- some complete games. You know, um, what you saw is you saw you know the. The offense, you know, though not being like super, super flashy, they did what they wanted to as far as, you know, really getting Dalvin Cook involved. I, I think their screen game is one of the best in the league and watching, uh, watching some play designs. But I think it's, it's also just as exciting because you're watching Dalvin Cook get a lot of them. And he is, he is uh, similar to uh, Cordero Patterson over the last couple of years where it's just like, you know, you get the ball in this man's hand, and it, and it always seems like he can score. It's something, it seems like something special is going to happen, uh, and um, it just—it's it, exciting to watch. Um, so again, it, again, it was a, it was it was a good game to watch. You know, it was uh, it, it, on the offensive side of the ball. I think we we stayed fairly consistent. You know, like you said, Kirk Cousins wasn't—he was—he didn't have a bad day by any means, but it wasn't his greatest game compared to his last couple of games. Um, but there is something to be said about like the defensive side of the ball. Now there were some injuries. Trey Waynes was not there. Um, you know, that we're really thin on that interior defensive line, Linval Joseph not being there. Um, so it, it, it was one of those games where I think the Vikings knew they needed to stop or 
they felt they needed to stop Ezekiel Elliott. So they kind of sold out to do that in which uh, you kind of saw them hurting a little bit more so on, uh, you know, in this, in that secondary without having Trey Waynes, Mike Hughes had to step up and stuff. And I think Mike Hughes had a, he had a pretty up and down game. You know, he, um, he had some, he had some plays that he let go and he had some plays where he got some on it. Uh, And I think that's what you can expect. The more time he's going to get on the field, I think you're going to see those up and downs until those, um, until those, plays where he's constantly getting beat start to diminish a little bit more so and you're going to see him do things like jump the ball uh you know have a pick six or you know the interceptions making plays on the ball and whatnot uh so it's exciting to watch him play but i think the thing that we all agreed we kind of talked about this in our chat jason was um i don't know if the vikings won because they were necessarily the better team I think that they won because Dallas was kind of being a little bit stupid. Um, Dak pretty much had his way with the Vikings uh, this game. And I think if Jason Garrett and uh, Kellen Moore had decided, uh, their OC Kellen Moore, if they decided that they wanted to just keep passing the ball, I mean, they were in third and 12, third and 11, third and nine, and they were consistently converting on those plays because obviously they could pick on um, Mike Hughes, you know, Mark Cooper was having a day. Michael Gallup was playing well. Uh, if they kept throwing the ball and stopped relying so much on Ezekiel Elliott, I think you would have seen a different game. Um, and that's not necessarily to say that the Vikings didn't play well, because I think that they did. But it's to say that, okay, if we face a team that realizes, yo, we need to stop running the ball, we're really beating these guys up in the passing game let's keep doing that are the vikings going to be able to respond so a definitely good victory uh from a team perspective uh from an offense perspective it was great to see dalvin cook you know get his and whatnot um it was good to see kirk play a pretty clean game as well too um and then as far as this it it felt good to get the win because now we're seven and three um, you know, we are more than in the hunt for the uh, playoffs position. I think we, we can still potentially get that second seed if we, if we uh, beat the Packers and then obviously uh, both, both beating them face-to-face and then obviously record-wise. Uh, but I think there's still a little bit of worries, Jason. I think we all can agree that um, secondary is an issue. Um, the interior defensive line is an issue. I think there was a stat that was put out today that Everson Griffin and uh, Daniel Hunter are the most used defensive linemen right now. And that's a problem because you don't have guys that you can rotate with them consistently. You don't have guys, they can't, they can't kick in uh, because they're used on the edges so often, which doesn't really allow you to kind of push those edges and push that interior on third downs. And it's like come playoff time. Are those guys going to be fresh? Now we have a bye week in a, in about a week or two, uh, the hope is is that uh, we can fix some of these things that are problems that exist and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. But I mean, this game was. I think this game. Uh, it, it's good to win a game like this because you can still walk away from it as a head coach and see the deficiencies and focus on fixing those. So then the next time, or even in the playoffs, um, those deficiencies that were there we're already finding strategies to combat them. Yeah, no doubt. And you touched on some things there. And just to go, I mean, you know, passer rating, not the greatest metric in the world, but if we're just going to try to take a look at uh, 
you know, some of the metrics we can look at over on Pro Football Focus for this game, it was not a great game all around for really any Vikings cornerback. I guess, you know, Holden Hill did all right for himself. Very, very um, minimal coverage snaps from him. He had eight coverage snaps, only two targets. So he, he was good. Two targets, no receptions. In that tiny sample size, Holton Hill, I guess, would be a bright spot for us. But for the people who actually played a significant number of snaps, Mackenzie Alexander, we have him giving up a passer rating of 149.3. Xavier Rhodes giving up a passer rating of 118.8. Mike Hughes, even though, I mean, and this is the funny, this, I mean, passer rating is not great. And I will, I will reiterate that one more time. Mike Hughes was targeted 17 times, gave up 11 receptions for 154 yards, gave up 36 yards of yak and one touchdown. Of the, the starting corners, he actually had the, uh, the, the best passer rating at 113.4. However, when you flip that over to yards per coverage snap, it's, it's, a, it's a far different picture where you have uh, Mike Hughes giving up 3.42 yards per coverage snap, followed by Mackenzie Alexander at 2, and then Xavier Rhodes at 1.37. So uh, where a passer rating would have you believe that, I mean, they all did poorly, that Mike Hughes was the best of the worst. Uh, when you when you actually go to something that's a bit more predictive and look at the yards per, per, per coverage snap there, uh, yeah, not a good story, not a pretty picture. And Mike Hughes was definitely the mark. They were definitely looking to find him. And uh, Amari Cooper... And Michael Gallup to a degree, but really Amari Cooper was having his way with Mike Hughes and really having his way with, and Dak was really just having his way with everyone in the secondary. Um, and so it, it's it's a weird place to be uh, with this team that we, we follow coming out of a game like this. We won, super happy about that, that win. And Kirk Cousins did enough. He played an okay game. But as we move forward, I'm going to ask you, I guess, kind of a, a strange question for these Vikings. As we move forward, are you more nervous about Kirk Cousins or the fact that our once elite defense seems to be regressing more towards, you know, the middle part of the league? And their pass defense in particular is not what we've come to expect from them. And obviously the depth is a concern, as you alluded to, with, uh, with Griffin and Hunter having to play all those stats. Which of those two things makes you more nervous as we go down the stretch? Kirk Cousins, pass defense. So for some people, when I say my answer, they're going to be like, oh, of course, you got no surprise. I'm going to say Kirk Cousins, and it's because of the second thing you just named. Um, we have talked for years, Jason, more, more so you. I'll give you the credit for, for the, uh, making this uh, take. Um, that how how sticky defenses can be from year to year. And as defenses slowly and slowly regress, which is that what they do over years, it's a lot harder to get 11 guys to play at a high level for years. We saw it with the Seattle Seahawks and why they had that dynasty for a few years. And then when they started to regress, everything fell apart. But what they had was Russell Wilson. Um, and the reason why I pick Kirk Cousins is because this is what's going to start happening as the season goes on, as we get closer and closer to the playoffs and that team starts to regress, maybe injuries start to pile up. Maybe guys are just, again, they've, they, they've been playing lot this long season without much break or whatever from game to game. And the injuries start to pile up all that stuff. 
what is going to happen is there's going to become a reliance on Kirk Cousins to start stepping up and being the quarterback that counterbalances the defense to start regressing. Because that's what your hope is, is your hope is as the defense kind of regresses, your quarterback can start to elevate and elevate the people around him. I worry about him because Kirk can do, he, he, can, he can operate in the offense that, you know, there isn't very much pressure. He can just go out and ball. I think that that's why he was balling over the last month. I, I think he removed those, that, those pressure restraints that maybe we saw also last year where he's like, he needs to come in. He needs to be uh, that, that savior quarterback. And he just, he made all these mistakes because of all these reasons. But I think when Kirk just stepped back and be like, yo, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play. I think that's over the last month. That's when we started to see a more swagged out Kirk Cousins. We started to see a more um, confident quarterback, the dude who was like throwing passes into tight windows. And you could tell on the zip of the path that it just had, his confidence behind it. Like he knew he was going to get there. And I worry that when that pressure starts to mount, that is when we're going to see the Kirk cousins. I've been, I guess I, you could say putting more, uh, uh, putting forth to people a little bit more. So of why I have skepticism around him, because it does to me, not just center around uh, the pressure of, of, you know, of, of like, you know, these defense alignment coming after him claps in the pocket. But I think the pressure of expectation is, is where I worry about him the most. And again, as this defense regresses, we will see um, in December, is this going to be the guy that is going to give us the opportunity to make a run? Or is this going to be a guy that he gives us, he gives us a hope. He, he, we have the hope, but it can only go so far because of him. Um, so that's why I, I guess I would say I'd pick him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would say, you know, that is that is fair. I understand where you're coming from with that one. But I guess what do you make of the fact, and, and so this is something that, that we brought up on Pocket Protectors, and it's a conversation that we have a lot. Shoot, I think we probably had a version of the conversation today on the timeline with uh, with Adam West, as we do on, on most days with uh, with Adam or, uh, or, or Nick there and, and their uh, ongoing crusade against our, our, our man, Kurt Cousins and reminding us on the regular that he is not, in fact, an elite quarterback. And you've made many of the same points that, uh, that they make as, as they kind of lay that out. And I guess um, the idea that Kirk isn't driving the offense or that he isn't the, the focal point of the offense as the quarterback has, has really come up as, as, a, as really a criticism, as a wholesale criticism for him um, as, as because Kirk Cousins isn't the most talented player on the offense. And I guess my pushback against that is that why does that matter? Like, obviously, ideally, you would have, you know, an elite quarterback, a Russell Wilson, a magician back there who, when all else fails, uh, Russ is going to be able to go out there and, and do special things to help you win the game. But there's not that many of those guys, right? And so the way things are constructed, and we understand that the longevity of a system or a structure or the surroundings that we have for Kirk Cousins right now, um, the windows for keeping all of these pieces together is is very is, is never going to be a huge one because you have to pay the offensive linemen, you have to pay the the receivers. They're probably going to pay Dalvin Cook. It gets challenging to keep all the pieces together. But given where we are in this season, the Vikings' offensive line is playing like you know an above average unit. We have Dalvin Cook playing like he's the best running back in the league. You have Stefan Diggs out there doing what he does. You have Irv Smith emerging. You have Kyle Rudolph remembering 
uh, you know, how to run and stuff. Adam Thielen will be coming back. Treadwell is, you know, he's out there, but the offense is probably, you know, the the offense is probably as stacked <laughs> as it's going to be. We don't actually need Kirk Cousins to be a hero or be a savior. He just needs to operate within the framework, within the context of the offense. Why is that being held against him, that we don't need him to play hero ball, that he can he can execute within the structure sure. of these really well-designed screens and things like that? Like, we've always known he's smart. Why is it that him now executing within the framework of the offense and doing it at a pretty decent clip, now something that's being held against him? Because even in these last couple of games that he hasn't played great, he also didn't do what, you know, Kirk used to do, which is just, like, blow it up or make horrible plays or, you know, throw that really boneheaded interception like he did earlier in the season or that he did in times last year or early in his career. He seems to be learning how to grind through games and also to understand that he doesn't have to go win the game by himself. He has a strong team around him. And so maybe he doesn't need to take some of those chances that he took in other points in his career. Why do we see that as a bad thing now? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Jason. And I think um, a, as you were talking, I was I, I was thinking through um, I was thinking through I don't know why I thought about it, but I was I started to I started to think about um, basketball. Right, I started to think about how there are so many players in the league that we. Um, you you know that that we love obviously the the LeBron James's Steph Curry's all those stuff but then there are those like really um there there are those players that we always think about as like we know that they're good but we we can kind of admit that they're not great right but something that those guys pretty consistently do is find ways to do to get the ball to the people who are great you know, and, and the, the the player that keeps coming to mind is a Ricky Rubio. You know, there was a lot of people who were like really down on Ricky when he was in Minnesota. Um, and then when he went to the Suns, you know, the, I think that he's, he's gained a little bit more respect around the league. Um, and I think what I want from Kirk and why maybe he gets criticized is we know that he's not going to be a LeBron James, a Steph Curry, all that stuff, right? Uh, but we we do need him to facilitate getting the ball to the actual playmakers on a consistent basis. And when you play hero ball, it's I'm going to make the play that's probably not there, right? It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to try to get it to the person who is going to make the play. I'm just going to try to make something happen. But I think there there is an avenue that I think he might be getting closer and closer to getting to this point. Uh, where he, with Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, he can be that he can be that point card that facilitates getting the ball consistently to those playmakers, and that's why it was so great to watch Dalvin Cook on those screens because it's like it was it, it, it was you watching Kirk getting getting the ball. Yes, yeah, it's a screen, but it's like you watching him help facilitate uh, a, a big play happen, and I think that's where. You know, he can get in the way of not getting it to the playmakers, but he can also be on the other side where he is finding avenues where he can, um, again, he can be the Ricky Rubio where he can find the open playmaker and, and find ways to facilitate that way. Whether it just be facilitating the offense as a whole, making checks at the line, 
getting getting us in and out of of uh, of plays and just overall being a good leader and facilitating our playmakers to really really show out. I think that's where he needs to 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 be at. If that's what his role is going to be here in Minnesota, like isn't that what he's he doing? Needs to embrace I mean, that, that seems to because, be what he's doing, no? Um, you know, and and, and as, in, in, in aspects, I think that's what he's doing. Um, and I think that there's aspects that still exist of him that yes, he's not making the he's not making the bonehead mistakes, right? Um, but there's that part of him that it's like maybe still holding back from being able to f- facilitate. And all I'm saying is advocating for him to do more of of that facilitation to get it to you know the the Rajan Rondo be able to make the people who are already great even I guess, more great around you know, him. So we don't keep going on around in circles in this. I mean, he's playing uh, pretty clean football this year. Uh, the game plans that are being provided to him seem to be, uh, for the most part, there have been a couple points this year where we had questions about the coaching. Kansas City comes to mind as one of those games. But uh, for the most part, the coaching has uh, the coaches have put together strong game plans, and we've known Kirk is a smart guy and that he's able to execute within that structure. Um, and yeah, he, he does, he, he doesn't play well outside of structure. We know that. And Can we know there's going to be times where teams are able to confuse him and that's not going to be great for us. We know those things, but if the coaches are doing that thing that we always say we want coaches to do, which is figuring out a way to play to the strengths of their player. In this case, it seems as though our coaches are putting him in the best possible position to succeed more often than not. And I feel like that's just something that we should be we should be happy about versus having that be held as a knock against the starting quarterback. Can I can I ask a question then? Of course. Um, let's let's say Dallas, like I was saying earlier in the pod. Let's say Dallas uh, played into Dak. Right? They knew that Dak was balling out on uh, on Sunday night. Let's say they play into that. Do we still have that same narrative about him? Um, you know, kind of facilitated. Let's say the game was a little bit more like that Kansas City game because it felt like it could have been like that if Jason Garrett and and Kellen Moore were smarter about the way that they ran the offense. Um, they probably could have pretty handily won that game, taking advantage of our poor pass rush interior and the interior pass rush rush. Take advantage of the fact that you again you could continue to you could have just continued to target Mark, Mike Hughes the entire game. Um. Do we still have that same notion if because there, I feel like we're going to face quarterbacks who are a little bit more. We're going to face another quarterback who's even more talented than uh, Dak Prescott. And my question is, yes, are the coaches doing what they are? The coaches are doing a good job providing the structure for him to succeed. Um, is that going to be sustainable? Again, if we go face a, a Dak Prescott. You know, or not a Dak Prescott, but a, a Russell Wilson. I don't know. Uh, I mean, in this one, we were up fourteen nothing pretty quick, right? So like, we were able to get ourselves out in front, and yeah, I, and I don't know. Going into this game, I tend to roll uh, DVOA and some other things. Had the Cowboys as a better team than us. Eric was was pretty adamant going in that the Vikings overall were a better team. Um, but I feel like just the way that the, the game opened up and what we were able to do with Dalvin and and the tight ends in the passing game, I feel like we would have been able to go blow for blow with the Cowboys in that game. I mean, you know, Kerr played a, a clean game. It wasn't as explosive because of the type of players we were targeting. So the places we had the best matchups were the tight ends and the running backs. 
you're just generally not going to get the big chunk plays targeting those players versus the Cowboys, where they felt they had the matchups, where Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup on the outside, the ADOT's going to be bigger on those. So when they were getting theirs, they were getting it in chunks. When we were getting ours, it was in a more methodical sort of manner because we were really attacking their linebackers and really forcing them to cover uh, horizontally and putting strain on them in that matter. So our game plans were different, but I mean, we were up huge quickly in that game. They were playing catch up you know, and messing that up by continuing to still try to get uh, Zeke involved to the tune of, you know, minus 5.6, I believe, uh, expected points added during the game. So yeah, they definitely bailed us out by continuing to try to get Zeke involved. I'm not going to deny that. But I also feel like, you know, there were points in the game where we were more concerned with like grinding clock than necessarily trying to score aggressively, which is a problem. It's something I wish we didn't do. I feel like because we're a good team, when we put our foot on teams next, we need to just keep it there and run them out of the gym versus uh, trying to switch things up and, and bleed clock. And But that's a, a whole nother conversation. But um, yeah, there was nothing in that game that made me feel like we wouldn't be, Kirk Cousins was going to you know fall apart. I mean, he held it together. He grinded it out. I know some will say, oh, we handed it to, to Dalvin down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, for gashing them, we're running clock. Why wouldn't we be doing that thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just always like to uh, think of the scenarios where, you know, in the Kansas City, yeah, we lost. Now I'm trying to think about, okay, well, if we have won, would the narrative be a little bit different? So I just try to look at it uh, reverse regardless of um, – Based on outcome, I try to look at the opposite way. I'm like, okay, would would people still feel this way about Kirk Cousins if we won the game? You know, would they pe- still feel this way if we lost the game? Um, and I think that helps helps give for some perspective to like maybe people need to be not as harsh on him in certain aspects because we lost the game, and people need to be not as not as uh, not as uh, easy on him just because we won the football game. Man, we have here saying people need to not be so harsh on Kirk Cousins. I am going to just play that on a loop maybe tomorrow on a video or something. I don't know. I don't know. But we've talked about the Dallas game. We talked about Kirk, as we're known to do around these parts. But we have a few minutes left here on this podcast. And, I mean, we do have another game. And I I, I don't want to be overly confident. I don't want to be filled with too much hubris going into this game. I think uh, you know, the line is around 10. Um with the Vikings favorite in this matchup against uh, the Broncos. Um, yeah. I mean, I know your thoughts. We talked a bit before we, uh, we started recording, but what are your thoughts on this matchup? And is there any way this turns into what, you know, the Buffalo game from last year, which is what Vikings fans love to point to in a game that we have, you know, a big, uh, a, a big spread in our favor going in that, you know, everyone is now worried we're going to kind of lay an egg in this one. Is there anything that leads you to believe that this is one of those games? This is a trap game. This is actually going to be a closer game than, uh, I guess, than many expect. I I don't think so. I think, <clears throat> I think too many people wrote off Buffalo last year because they didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't understand that Buffalo's defense wasn't as bad as as um, they are advertised. And Josh Allen is not a great quarterback, but he's also not like the worst quarterback in the league because there are arguably some way worse one. And yeah, he's a he's a quarterback who is a high volatility quarterback. He had he he was on the high end of his uh, uh, on everything when he played that game. So it's like 
yeah, when things were click, things were happening to be clicking for him that game. And with paired with the defense, it's like, yeah, we got caught sleeping. Uh, for this game, it's, I mean, Brandon Allen, like, you know, God bless him for for trying. But that's what this is going to be. It's going to be him trying. Um, they, I mean, yes, they do. They have uh, Miles as Bayshawn Hamilton. Uh, they had they have an okay um, couple okay starters on the offensive line. Yeah, that's great. But they, you know, it 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 shouldn't be close in my opinion. I think the Vikings should be able to just run wild. And I think that this game, though, if we were to lose it, it wouldn't hurt us that much within the the standings of the conference. I do think again we are still looking to catch up with the Green Bay Packers, so we do need to keep winning these games in hopes that they drop one. Um, so that way, by the time we're coming to get them in, in you know, before Christmas, uh, that ends up being our Christmas present to to really solidify that second seed and win the division. Um, but it is going to be, it is going to be one of those things where it's like, again, I just don't see this is this being a trap game where I could un- kind of understand last season how the Bills were uh, a trap game, and also last year the, the Vikings, admittedly. They they were still a fairly kind of new offense and team trying to figure things out, which was a little bit easier for for them to fall into those traps. Whereas I think now with some of there are some aspects of structure and consistency, I think it's a lot harder for them to, um, you know, kind of fall into the traps of like, you know, really just getting um, out, out of whack and and losing this game. All right. Well, there it is. Uh, so do you think the Vikings cover then? Yeah, I think they do. I think they're going to win pretty hey, hand- so you, handily. You, you yeah. feel that we're, we're, we're putting a whooping on these boys. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be at least a 14-point win game. All right. That's point. what we love right there. Nothing's going to top that. So I'm going to go ahead and just call that the show. Uh, yeah. I guess, are you working on anything? It's been a little while since I've asked you that. But is there anything that, on the go? Are you calling this game again? Uh, how's the booth casting going? What's going on with you, man? What you working on? What yeah, you doing these days? Absolutely. I, uh, um, I, me and Luke Inman, we did call the, the Dallas game, uh, last week, Sunday. Uh, I think Luke still has a recording of that. So if anyone wanted to go put on the game, put that on, just watch a little bit, a little bit different than the, the live cast. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, I've only been able to booth cast, um, a couple times this season. Uh, I've been actually re- really busy with games just because I've been playing a lot of music and I've been doing some improv acting as well. Um, and then um, I'm al- I'm also uh, doing a-, a web series right now called Take Care. <clears throat> That's actually, um, it's going to be posting its uh, seventh episode uh, on Sunday. As they, we, we post episodes every Sunday night. So I've just been really busy with all that stuff. So I haven't really been able to bootcast. So I won't be in the booth this week, um, but I would imagine I'm in the booth for the uh, Monday night game against the Seahawks. So pretty excited about that. Um, I think that's going to be a fantastic game. I don't know who's going to win, but it, like to me, it almost doesn't even matter because I feel like I know it's going to be a good game. There we go. Well, that is it. That is all. And I will post... Uh... And just to make sure, I take care of the web series from BSC Productions. Yes, BSC Productions. You can you can find it on YouTube. Well, I'm, I'm going to put it right uh, in the show videos. notes for them so they don't even have to do any work. Yeah. We put it right there in the notes. Just go to the show notes, click on it, watch them, support our man, 
And that way, when he makes it big, you can be like, you know, I knew him before he was doing all this stuff. I watched him on YouTube. I checked out his podcast. You can be one of those folks. So you get to be hipster with with, with Yinka before he makes it real big. But that's it. Listeners, as always, thanks for sticking with us. Yinka, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye.